July 4th, 2023. We're in Masechet Besa and Daf Lamed Aleph Amut Bet. Let's go from the Mishnah right in the middle of the page again. The Mishnah, if you recall, says, Bait Shehu Male Perot Venivhat. If there was a structure, a home which was filled with fruits, and then on Yom Tov, the wall or a wall of that bait falls down, there was no way to enter into that home which is filled with fruits and food and vegetables maybe as well. You couldn't enter into it, we can imagine that, you couldn't enter into it before Yom Tov, entering into Yom Tov, in the initial stages of Yom Tov, and then a wall falls down, and we could and perhaps should imagine that the fruits inside of it will be considered mukseh. Why would they be considered mukseh? The only way to access those fruits entering into the holiday was through a melacha, called Melechet Soter, Setira, to tear down an existing structure. As a result, if it was Mukseh Mehamat Isur, it's not Mukhan at all, and as a result, should be Asur. And nonetheless, the Halakha says, the Mishnah is, Notel Mimakom Hapahat. You can enter into and take fruits from the place where it uh, did fall down. I will, of course, question that in just a moment again. But that's the statement. There is no issue of mukseh for one reason or another, continues the Mishnah. It says, Rabbi Meir Omer, af pohet Rabbi Meir's opinion, in uh, going a step further, he says, you don't even need to wait for the wall to fall down. You can break down the wall in order to take the fruits on Yom Tob. It was a structure which was standing. Uh, not only is there a problem of mukseh, as we understood it, there's a problem, as we mentioned, the mukseh was caused by the isur of um, sutira, of uh, tearing down, and yet Rabbi Meir, for some reason, permits. So first things first, according to the Chachamim, the first opinion in the Mishnah, why should it be permitted to eat from those fruits? We mentioned yesterday two approaches. We said Rashi told us that the explanation is that the pulling down of that wall, as the Gemara will tell us, is really only an Isumid Rabbanan, because the wall wasn't plastered, it's not actually situated in a way or structured in a way that's permanent to a full extent. There's no cement in between the bricks of this wall. Pulling it down is forbidden, but only midrabbanan, and therefore, Rashi, citing from proof later on on Daflamidal, it's something which has an isur drabbanan, a rabbinic prohibition, hovering above it. We don't look at it itself, the product, the item, as if it's mukseh. Rashi's example was if you have uh, tevil, you have fruits or vegetables from which you didn't take turumotu ma'asrot, even though it's prohibited, midrabbanan, rabbinically speaking, to take those, to separate, to tithe, on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, nonetheless, if you were to do so, you violated the Yisumid Rabbanan, you could then eat from it. Isn't it mukseh? Apparently, when it's only a rabbinic restriction in nature, doesn't, uh, it doesn't make the uh, food or the item mukseh. That's Rashi's suggestion. Jesse brought our attention to Ramban Nachmani. Ramban suggests that you're confusing matters. He says the wall... The bricks of the wall might be mukseh, you're not allowed to pull those down. But the fruits, even though they were blocked by the wall, the fruits themselves are not mukseh per se. It's that the wall can't be pulled down. When the bricks of that wall fall down, you can't, according to Ramban, touch those bricks. Understood. Rashi might disagree with that. But the fruits themselves entering into Yom Tov, although it was difficult, impossible to get to them, they themselves were not the object, the item of mukseh. I got a text message from, a, well, during the summer, a listener, during the winter, an attendee from Nathan Shalom. Nathan Shalom suggested, I subsequently found this morning, that Rashba suggests this as well, that maybe our Mishnah is talking about a 
kotel or a bayit re'u'a. If you recall, we saw those words in the last sugya. Re'u'a means <coughs> it's shaky. It's not strong in terms of its structure. As a result, if you suggest so, and why wouldn't the Mishnah tell us that, says Rashba? Well, it tells you right afterwards it fell down. You imagine it was a strong structure and Jateke, it fell down. You're supposed to assume and understand it was rickety in nature. If it was rickety and not strong in nature, entering into Yom Tob, as a result, your mindset, your mind was, well, it might fall down. And as a result, it is Muchan. That's what we talked about in the last sugya. That's how Nathan, and in turn, or before him, a lot, Rashba suggested the interpretation of Tamashan. matter whose structure this is, is this your structure? Because it doesn't think that it's yours, it just says it's a. Why should that matter? Because if it's yours, maybe you have an intention to go into it. But you can't pull down the wall. That's the issue over here, right? That's the only way to get the fruit. Yeah. Okay, so we uh, added to the interpretation of the Mishnah Rashba's approach. It's no different than a refrigerator, no? How so? On the refrigerator, you're opening it up. It has certain functions that... But there's no melechet sitira in opening the door of a refrigerator. The melacha is sitira. So it's mukse mehamati su, right? Entering into the day. Uh, says the Gemara now, initially addressing, it appears, just the opinion of Rabbi Meir, right? Rabbi Meir is the latter opinion in the Mishnah who said that you're allowed to pull down the wall. Without a problem. It's not that it has to fall down. You can, on your own, with your own volition, through your own volition, pull down that wall on Yom Tov. Really? How could you pull down that wall? How's that permitted? Says the Gemara Amai, question mark, aren't you, by pulling it down, dismantling? The sister Melacha of Binyan is... Soter, you're not allowed to dismantle. You can't build and you can't take away from the building structure. And as we mentioned in the Mishnah, again, in the words of Rashi, who was already alluding to these words in the Gemara, Avira if you take a look at Rashi now on the Gemara, it says, Sidur shel avanim belotit. Now, avira probably means wind or air, and livne are bricks. So effectively, he's saying it's just bricks with air in between them. There's no teeth, there's no plaster, no cement that's holding them together. And therefore, as we explained, it constitutes not an isumid oraita, but an isumid rabbanan. As a result, Rabbi Meir's opinion is, you're dealing with a rabbinic violation, prohibition, which, in order to get to the food, he permits on Yom Tov. Says the Gemara, Ini, is that really so? Ve'ha'amar Rav Nachman, in in Aramaic means yes. Ini, in turn, is a way of the way we would say maybe in English, yeah, is that really so? Ve'ha'amar Rav Nachman, hane livne, de'ayatur mi binyana, so the statement of Rav Nachman is these, hane, these livne bricks, the ayatur, which are left over, mibinyana, from a building. So you are uh, gathered many bricks in order to build a uh, structure. And then there are leftover bricks. What would you do with those leftover bricks? Share le taltulinhu bishabeta. Share, it's permitted, le taltulinu, to carry them bishabeta on Shabbat. Why would you think it's not permitted? You would say it's mukseh. These are bricks which were purposed for building Asur, Minhat Torah, on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, and as a result, even if they're left over from it, but those bricks were never mindfully determined by you that you're going to use them. Why they permitted? Ho'il v'hazel mizga alayu. Since they always, and now as well, certainly, had and have another purpose. What's that other purpose? Limizga alayu, to sit on them. You could, and maybe would sit on big bricks and stones, 
And therefore, even though they were initially appropriated, they were, they were purposed for building, since they had another purpose, they were never mukseh le'isur, they were never muksah mida'ato, and not going to be used on Shabbat or Yom Tov, and they're permitted to sit on them. So far, none of these words should challenge anything we said in our sukya. It's a nice halakha, I'm not exactly sure yet, per se, what the issue is, uh, says the Gima, but says the statement of Rav Nachman further. Before we go onward in Rav Nachman, I'll just tell you, not that per se this is going to be our issue uh, in today's day and age, but the poskim do discuss whether this is relevant in today's day and age. All the way back to Rosh and to contemporary times, uh, the question is, would you and could you imagine that leftover utensils, or not utensils, uh, so resources from a building are not mukseh? In other words, who in their but in other words, who in their real life actually sits on bricks any longer? Right? If you're actually going to tell me that's a normal way of doing it, and people make chairs out of big stones, okay. So that's the time of the Gemara. It's not that you can't do it any longer, but that's no one, nobody does it. We assume probably it would be. But if the whole purpose, again, is rabbinic in nature, in order to make certain that you're mindful about your entrance into and on the day of Shabbat, and over here, there is no mindfulness, doesn't it stands to reason that it wouldn't apply. But I hear your counter-argument. Does it matter that 99% of the people who are here are not using bricks in their life? That, that's exactly the point. That's, that's the exactly point. the question. That's ex- what? Oh, well, no, no, no. We're not building anymore. No, 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 but so what? So we're not using rocks either. We're not using wood either. Those are all mukseh. That's the point. If it has no purpose, we say on Shabbat, it has no purpose. There's a hundred purposes that you can use it for. You do, like you'll pick up wood. I don't know. And you build your homes with with bricks. Says the Gemara further, again, says the Gemara further, Sharginhu, Sharginu or Shiraginhu maybe, Rashi, Sidderan Zo Alzo, if those bricks, those, those uh, stones that were purposed for building were shiraginhu, they were sidderanzo alzo, they were placed one upon the other one, organized one on top of the other. Continuing in Rashi, before we get back to the Gemara, gale da'ate, you've revealed, the, uh, contra- the construction man, which might be you, has revealed through that action that the mindset is shemaksan binyan that you are makseh otan, you are separating them and distinguishing them for building. The fact that they're not just strewn out, and they're not just next to the construction site, but they're organized, it makes clear that your purpose with them is to use them, or was to use them, and by extension you never broke it up, to use them for a building. And as a result, back in the Gemara, says Rafa Nachman, Vadayaksinhu, you certainly were makseh them, and as a result, Rabbinically speaking, they are prohibited to use, to move, and to be involved with. Sure. Almost identical case over here, right? You're saying like the Sevar Shel Etzim. That's almost the identical case over here. And in turn, we're looking back at our Mishnah over here and wondering, well, wait a second, how does this align with such a concept? You told me in our Mishnah that according to the Bimeir, you're allowed to pull down those bricks. I understand why you're allowed to pull them down. It's only soter midir banan, and if some reason you permitted it, okay. But how are you allowed to handle those bricks at all? If the bricks were placed one upon the other, 
even when it's left over from a building, they're considered mukseh. Certainly when they are in the building, no, but it's not plaster. That's still mukseh. Says the Gemara, Amar Bizera, Biyom Tob Amru, Avalo Bishabbat. Bizera's answer is, indeed, understood, accepted. The statement of Rav Nachman is operative and normative that the halakha is, if you have um, bricks which are placed one on top of the other, they would be and should be considered mukseh. However, says Rabbi Meir, I draw the line when it comes to Yom Tov. Shabbat, Asur, Mukseh, Yom Tov, for Simchat Yom Tov. Well, if it wasn't piled up, so then the assumption is that it's permitted according to all. That's Rav Nachman's statement. Our Mishnah is talking about a Bayit male Perot, so it's certainly piled on one on top of the other. Do we tie this back to our Mishnah yet or no? That's exactly what we're doing. Again, our Mishnah, let me say it clearly, our Mishnah says in the Sefa that according to the Bimeir, in a home or in a structure which is filled with bricks, all one on top of the other, you can pull them down. Uh, wait a second, how could you pull them down? We say, oh, they're not plastered. Uh, they're not uh, cemented. Okay, but wait a second, they're still mukseh. And that was the example of when you place them one on top of the other. The answer is, yes, it's mukseh, but on Yom Tov, the rabbis permitted it. Why would they permit it? Not on Shabbat, not on, uh, but yes, on Yom Tov. It's the Hachamim structuring many of their laws, not all of them, many of their laws after the Torah in this context said that when it comes to Yom Tov, again, according to the Bimeir, Hachamim disagree. According to the Hachamim, it's not so. According to the Hachamim, don't pull it down. Should not be. May not be pulling it down, even though you're interested in eating them on Yom Tov. According to the Bimeir, you're allowed to. It goes both ways, though, because we keep on saying that sometimes on Yom Tov, we have to be more machmir because it's too mekel, the holiday. I, it was for that reason I caught myself in the middle. I said, not always, sometimes. Indeed, uh, the, the, it's hard to predict. I, I admit to it. In other words, what, what Jared's saying is what we referred to yesterday. On Dafbet Amudbet, the Gemara told us that the Sidur HaMishnayot, the organization of the Mishnayot, make us understand that when it comes to Hilchot Yom Tov, we're posek, we're not talking about Halach al so it's saying what the Gemara says, we're posek like uh, Rabbi Yehuda, that Mukseh is Asur. When it comes to the Mishnah, Yom Masechet Shabbat, Mukseh is like Rabbi Shimon, it's Mutar. What's the reasoning for that? Oh, on Shabbat, you're more stringent. We don't need the laws of Mukseh. On Yom Tov, you're more lenient. We need the laws of Mukseh, says Jared. Well, by extension, over here, you're permitting this Mukseh on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbat. Good answer. How do you like that? Says Abi, this is only to be mayor. Hachamim, ultimately speaking, and not being Matir. I like it. I'm really addressing the elephant in the room, which is that. Who's that? Oh, the rabbis made this rule. Okay, we can we can blow this one off. No, um, <laughs> let, let me change it a little bit on you, Alan. The rabbis made this rule is the is the suggestion, and they themselves didn't need to blow it up. It was never a rule when it came to Yom Tov. That's the suggestion of Rabbi Meir. You understand? In other words, it's not me and you looking at it and saying, ah, oh, let's just not apply this over here. It's Rabbi Meir, if we're reading it correctly, saying at the very inception, the Hachamim never applied it to this circumstance. Well, like they had the intention to uh, use the fruit before, before Yom Tov. And they put the wall for protection. But you have to have a question. You, know, you, you planned on eating the fruit and taking down the wall? Was that, that, that was the circumstance, Jeff. That's the circumstance. Again, and it, was, and it wasn't cemented. Um, it, would be, it can't be cemented. On Shabbat would be, be Matir, no, he's asking, on Shabbat, where you avoided the issue of Mukseh. Uh, no, but he wants to know, in the initial stage of the Gemara, 
Again, the initial stage of the Gemara, when we said the Avire de Livne, mine before is how you got around Muxeh. How'd you get around Stiramid Rabbanan, according to the Bimeir, in the initial stage of the Gemara? Again, the Gemara was this, we only discovered, quote unquote, that we're dealing with Yom Tov at this stage, which sounds like the initial stage, we were comfortable even on Shabbat, which is an interesting question. Why should we be comfortable even on Shabbat if it is Stiramid Rabbanan? That's an interesting, I'm not 100% certain how we, how we read that line in this context. Uh, maybe it's Somech, I, I don't know. So it's a good question. Says the Gemara, Tanyana Mehache, indeed we have a Beraita which accords with this, uh, which says explicitly that a Bimeir statement was said only on Yom Tob. How does the Beraita say? Tanya, again, Beraita, Name as well, Hache, like this. In other words, the suggestion of Rabbi Zehra is explicit in this Beraita. Those are the words in our Mishnah. The rabbis permitted so on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbat, period. Why not on Shabbat? Right? Why yes on Yom Tov? Uh, because the Hachamim uh, waived this in that context. Why? Simhat Yom Tov. Okay, continues the Gemara and uh, it extends this a bit. You'll see in a moment how we're applying this to our Mishnah. Amar Shemuel, Shemuel seemingly starting something new, but he'll circle back to our Mishnah, the Gemara will. Hotamot Shebakarka. What are hotamot shebakarka? Rashi explains in the first wide line. Kigon daltot pitheh borot umeara hasigurim bekishre havalim. It's the top of caves or underground uh, cavities and pits uh, which are tied up. They're, they're, well, they're sealed with something and then tied up with a knot on top of them. What would our melacha ostensibly be if you're looking to open it? Melechet matir. Right on Shabbat you have kosher, means to knot, something which is a keshish el kayama, a permanent uh, um, knot, and to undo that is, is matir. We're ostensibly talking about both for the moment. Um, we're not talking about food per se, we're just talking about that. Amar Shemuel matir. He says you can undo them. Why would you be able to undo that? Why would you be able to untie it? Rashi, second wide line. Matire takesher, deha lav kesher shel kayamahu. This is not considered a permanent knot. Shehare lehatir tamid hu asui. By definition, it's on the ground covering a pit, a cav- underground cavity that you would and will constantly enter into, and as a result, the knot which is placed on top of it is not and would not be considered a permanent knot. Okay, that much I think is somewhat understood. We'd have to obviously get into the specifics. How often do you enter it and so forth, but go ahead. You could just enter it for nothing? Just to play a game every day? Just the assumption... Since you go in for whatever purpose at all times, therefore, whatever your purpose is now, it wasn't considered a kesher. Something along those lines. Aval. Yes. There's a whole. There's a whole. Well, we're already understanding a little bit more. Firstly, there's a whole pedic in Masechet Not not a long one, but a whole pedic on on Kisharim. Um, but secondly, what we're understanding from here is that even if it could last um, you know, for eternity, if the mindset, if the assumption of all is that it will be untied, we're understanding there's rooms for permissibility. And if you had a knot that tied down a tent or something, that could be taken on and off. 
Maybe yes, maybe no. It depends on what we assume the mindset of a person in such a circumstance is. All right, anyway, but that's the statement initially. I mean, uh, Jesse, your question is stronger than, than we have space to answer here, you know. Uh, so again, Amar Shemuel Chotamot Shebakarka, Matir Aval, however, says Shemuel in continuing, Lo Mafkia Velo Chotech. You may not alternatively be mafkia, uproot it, take off the knot, the, the rope entirely, or hotech, or cut it. Uh, these circumstances are no longer addressing an issue of matir, of undoing or untying a knot. It's something else. Rashi, avalom, indeed, avalom mafkia rashi, you can't undo entirely, nothing to do with the knot per se, but the whole rope. You furthermore can't cut it. Why? This is considered, either of these two actions, um, it's considered dismantling. It's not per se unknotting, it's dismantling. There was a- you would allow to cut if it wasn't a big knot? You're breaking it. You're breaking it. Why would you be allowed to cut it? You're, you're not. Whereas on the one, it's, it's just in contrast. Well, well, firstly, give it a minute or two. But secondly, at the current moment, it's just in contrast. If you are allowed to untie it, but make certain you do this right before you go home and I yeah, instruct you. Make sure you're not cutting it and you're not disattaching it. Okay, says so the Gemara. At this point, again, for our purposes, other than we got into Soter, we don't really per se understand the relevancy to our issue. But continue Shemuel. Shebakelim. This was when you were dealing with the Hotamot al Karka. You were dealing with on the ground, there was the entrance to the underground cavity. What about if it's a utensil? It's not the ground per se. You have a knot which is tying up the entrance into some chest, some item that you have, which has a hollow inside, and you're keeping something in there, and you have a knot on the exterior. Matir, umafkia, vechotech. You're allowed to do all three of those actions. Oh, wait a second, the first one I understand you told me, well, it's not permanent, got it. What about hotech, umafkia? What about detaching and cutting? Uh, Jesse said a second ago, of course you can't. Over here, we go back to a principle that we saw earlier in our Masechet. We saw it as a Mahloket, but we see clearly we're being posek like one side, and that is, En binyan ustira be kelim. When it comes to utensils, movable objects, and things of that sort, we don't have this melacha of binyan and stira. Binyan and stira to construct and to destruct, as is to talk about, as the words I just used suggest, a structure. A structure is a ohil. A structure is a bayit, it's a tent, it's a home, it's something of that sort. When I'm dealing with a chest of some sort or another, there is no issue of binyan ustira. Something smaller, something that's not... Maybe. Uh, might have an issue of when it came and how it was delivered and things of that sort. But, uh, but once I established that it's not a home, it's not a living structure, I therefore understand it has no melachav binyan ustira connected to it. So why would it be asur? Cutting, if you're telling me cutting, maybe that's what you're talking about, melechet koser. Melechet koser is only a melacha with items that are connected to the ground. There's no melechet koser on something that's not... They're not dealing with melechet koser. 
you might be dealing with another melacha. So that's melechet koser. You might say it's mehatech, another melacha. I'm not so clear over here either because mehatech is generally speaking when you are when you are you, you have a specific thing in mind. You are creating something. You're not just opening. Mehatech means I'm cutting pieces of wood, cutting pieces of paper. Like an envelope. Final words. Ehad Shabbat. We'd have to address cutting a tag. It depends on several circumstances. Cutting a tag might be considered a makeb uh, patish. If you imagine that the tag, depending on how it's connected, is the final stage, so to speak, of creating it usable for wearing, it might be Asura the Poskim judge it on that end. Hang tight. T- Robbie said it's not Shabbat. Final words of Shimuel. Ehad Shabbat, Ve'ehad Yom Tov. Says Shemuel, everything I just told you, both with regards to the prohibitions and the permissibilities, are relevant both on Shabbat and on Yom Tov. That means to say, if it was the Chotemet Shebakarka, we distinguish both on Shabbat and Yom Tov between if you're just untying or you're dismantling, and if it's on a on a keli, all is permitted both on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Says the Gemara. Wait a second, Metive. Again, in Aramaic, the Taf and the Shin interchange, Meshivim. There's a response. We usually translate this as we're asking a question. It means we're responding with a question to Shemuel. Here's how it goes. We cite a Beraita, Chotamot Shebakarka. The Beraita talks about the same thing. The initial stages, the opening, the bottom, the floor opening to the items underneath ground. Beshabbat, on Shabbat, Matir, those were the words we saw in Shemuel, what's permitted and what's not. Biyom Tov, when it comes to Yom Tov, says the Beraita, Matir umavkia vechotek. Comes to Yom Tov for the underground cavity uh, to get into the cave, to get into the pit. Not only can you untie, not melechet matir, but you can even dismantle, cut, take it off. Wait, isn't there a melechet setira? Says the Gemara, Hamane says Shemuel in defending for himself, or the Gemara defending Shemuel. Hamane, man in Aramaic, who? Who's the author of this Beraita? Rabbi Meir. He, it's Rabbi Meir at the end of our Mishnah. Who added Rabbi Meir at the so end of our Mishnah? Said, he said you could do a stira on, well, we're going to deal with the Dirabanan in a second, but he did tell us you could do stira in a circumstance. You could pull down in order to get food on Yom Tov. And the Hachamim disagreed with him. Palig means to be split. The Hachamim disagreed in the Mishnah. Says Shemuel, you want to know why I was stringent? You, you attacked me. You told me that I'm wrong. I'm being too stringent. No, Anna, I, De Amre, I am of the opinion. I state, Kerabbanan, like the Hachamim. Uh, so that much we have um, uh, clear in our Gemara. Shemuel says, the reason I said on Shabbat Asur is because I go like the Hachamim. In such a circumstance, well, that's, that's what we have um, at this point until now. Uh, let's take a, a look quickly at Rashi, three lines from the bottom. Metive, hotamot bakarka vechule, biomtom matir mafkia vechotech. I'm sorry, we're going to see that in a moment. Okay, so that's what we have at this point until now. Says the Gemara, umi pilige rabbanan ale bechotamot bakarka. Okay, so Shemuel, your claim is that when it comes to Yom Tov, as well as Shabbat, you can't um, detach and you can't cut. 
uh, in order to get into that ground uh, uh, through the, the structure which is connected to the ground. Uh, why not? Because you say you depend on the opinion of Hachamim. You suggested that that Beraita is only according to the Bimeir, but the more stringent opinion is Hachamim. Says the Gemara, are the Hachamim umi piligeh rabbanan aleh bechotamot shebakarka? Is it really so that the Hachamim, when it comes to Yom Tob, have any stringency? Yeah, certainly. No, the Hatanya doesn't the Beraita. Furthermore, state the following: Modim Hachamim Lirbimeir bechotamot shebakarka. The Hachamim agree with Rabbi Meir, this is so to speak ex- extension of our Mishnah, they agree with Rabbi Meir that when it comes to the Chotamot on the ground, Shabbat Matir, Biyom Tob, Matir This says explicitly the Braita that according to everyone, even according to the Hachamim, when it comes to Yom Tob, you're allowed to get into that underground item, not only by untying, but furthermore by cutting or by even breaking off. That's what the Beraita says explicitly. That's what this bottom Beraita says. Let me read for you the Beraita again. Shabbat, Say it again. Shemuel, you got to the issue. Shemuel, who's an Emora, who's an Emora, he can't go solo. Because he's going against the Mishnah right now. He's going against the Beraita. So we have a question on Shimon. We're stuck. We're looking at Shimon and saying, Shimon, how do you how do you resolve your opinion? You told me you were going like like Hachamim and the Beraita was a Bimeir. No, 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 this Beraita. Now we could and should pause at this moment and first and foremost look at this bottom Rashi. Rashi says, Alma, you see clearly Clearly, if the hachamim are even being matir in this circumstance, we're at most dealing with an isum midrabbanan. It appeared from you, Shimuel, that we're maybe even dealing with a deoraita. Clearly, it's only a midrabbanan. You see, the only question before we even read the answer of Shimuel, which would be an interesting one, is, well, how do you resolve this beraita, this bottom beraita, with the Mishnah? There has to be a different belacha. So uh, again, let me let me explain what I'm asking or what Jared's asking. Right, our Mishnah presented a mahloket, a dispute between Hachabim and Abimeir. What was their dispute revolving around? Well, if you recall, it was the break home. The that's can you break the wall or not? Right, Abimeir says Yom Tov, permitted. Hachabim says, Oh, one second, it's an Isumit Rabbanan. We draw the line over there. And so it's Asur. So how come in this Beraita where you're dealing with? Same type of thing. You're not dealing with something which is altogether permitted. What's the proof? On Shabbat, it's not permitted. How come the hachamim are permitting? Not a simple question to get around. Slach, to the best of my knowledge, the only major, major commentator who addresses this on the Gemara, Slach is Rabbi Yechezkel Landa. He was the uh, chief rabbi of Prague. And uh, in his commentary, Tziyun the Nefesh Haya, he suggests, again, you're going to have to wrap it around and try to make sense of this, but he suggests the difference between our Mishnah and this Beraita is the following. In our Mishnah, we're dealing with two issues. In this Beraita, we're dealing with one. The Mishnah was dealing with the structure of bricks, to pull it down is asumed rabbanan. To move the bricks is mukseh, double issue. This beraita is only dealing with melacha. There's no mukseh in place. That's his suggestion. So the hakamim will agree with bimeir. It's only asumed You have a double rabbanan in there. Alan will be very happy. Finally, we're respecting the rabbis. They threw two ayats. No, asumed rabbanan. It's a stirad rabbanan and a mukseh together. For some reason, hakamim say we draw the line of. And not some reason. Okay, there's a double rabbanan. Okay. Okay, so says Rabbi, ground ourselves. What about Shimuel? How do you explain Shimuel? 
how does he, he says no good, oh, certainly he says no good on the bricks, he told us, he told us, I go like Chachamim, that's how he resolved himself initially, then we said to him, even the Chachamim agree, so then Shimuel said, okay, I have to re, uh, reimagine my opinion, but again, so now we're stuck in Shimuel, we don't understand how does Shimuel, who was maintaining that when it comes to even Yom Tob, you're not allowed to cut, you're not allowed to sever, sever the uh, rope, for, which, is, uh, which is locking up that, uh, that, that Hotemet Shabakarka, when we see the Beraita says, who de Amar answers the Gemara for Shemuel, he would say, ki haitana, like yet another Beraita. Tana means an author of a Mishnah or a Beraita, which means to say, okay, Shemuel kind of looks at us virtually, he's at this point not alive any longer when the Gemara is talking about him, he would say, okay, I don't go with Chachamim, you're right, I, sir, I don't go with Rabbi Meir, I told you I'm not a Rabbi Meir person in terms of my stringency on this. Who do I follow? I follow, I have another opinion. What's that opinion? Ditanya, another Beraita presents an altogether different approach. We're gonna see, it's very and entirely consistent with Shimuel, as the Beraita teaches, top line here in the Midbet Amudalif, Hotamot Shebakarka, exactly our case. Matir, Aval, Lomafkia, Velochotech. So far, so good, but so, until now, we expect the words to be that's on Shabbat. But on Yom Tov, every one permits. As the Beraita in its concluding line, Echad Shabbat, Vechad Yom Tov. So explicitly in this Beraita, like Shemuel, we finally found the friend for Shemuel. He found his friend in this Beraita that says that even on Yom Tov, it's Asur. What's the rationale to say it's Asur on Yom Tov? Alan. Who said they were Matir in this situation? Who told you that? Okay, it's a dispute about what the Hachamim's Gizeh at its inception was, um, or wasn't, Vishabakeli, and then the concluding lines of this Beraita, which are going to make things a little bit more complicated for us, it says when it's a Keli, remember a Keli, it's not a structure per se in the ground, but it's rather something that's separate, it's the chest, it's a movable item, Vishabat matira velo mafkia velo hotech, tob matira mafkia vehotech. My goodness, what happened in the Sefa? What did we initially say in Shib? What did we initially say? We said everything's permitted on Shabbat and on Yom Tov when it's a keli. Now this Beraita, which Shemuel says, ah, that's my guy. So you, you found over here in this Beraita full stringency to the extent that even Shemuel didn't imagine this Beraita. So you can't, the Gemara is suggesting. I'll tell you the first part of the Beraita is like me. The second part of the Beraita says to Gimara, Tirasta lecha resha. You explained, you set in place the resha, the first part of this Beraita. What was the first part of the Beraita? That even on Yom Tob, even on Yom Tob, if it's in the ground, if it's on the ground, you can't be Hotech and you can't be Mafkia. However, Ela Sefa Kashia, how do you explain the final parts of this Beraita? Says the Gemara, Hamane, who's the author of this Beraita? And we'll conclude with this for now. Rabbi Nehemiahi. It's an altogether different opinion. It's an opinion we find elsewhere in Talmud, and the Gemara expects you to know it in Masechet Eruvin and Daflamete. De Amar Kol Hakelim En Nitalin Ela Derech Tashmishan. The statement of Rabbi Nehemiah, which we'll return to tomorrow, goes as follows. Any utensil, it's a very stringent opinion, can only be carried on Shabbat, otherwise considered mukseh, if it's for the expressed purpose of what it is made for to be used as. Which means to say, if it's a knife, 
It's not made to cut ropes. Can't carry it for ropes. It's not because the cutting was a melacha. Not because the cutting was an issue. The item is mukseh. By extension, I have a spoon. You can't take the spoon for anything other than ladling something onto your spoon and so forth. It means that the end of this beraita says shemuel. I'm not so bothered by it. It's a different opinion. It has nothing to do with our issue at hand. It's because it's the stringent opinion in general, which I don't follow, which we don't accord to, of Rabbina Hamya. The next line in the Gemara will say, if that's Rabbina Hamya, why are you distinguishing between Shabbat and Yom Tov? Rabbina Hamya's opinion is, that's always Mukseh. Okay, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Baruch Amen, Amen.